0: That's usually what makes something interesting is like a little bit of double side, a sweetness and a sourness, like the Velvet Underground or something, sweet songs and sort of perverse lyrics, or the other way around, sort of really in your face, like noise and uh,
1: sweet lyrics.
0: Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, with me as always is my brother Travis, and today we are covering a little band called Sloan, and we're going to play some tracks off of their first two full-length records, Smeared and Twice Removed. This is another one of those bands, Trav, that we would have known about if we grew up in Canada. Mm, okay. They were yeah, they they're they're based out of uh Toronto. They're originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia. They came up around the early 90s um and were kind of like at the forefront of this kind of movement that was happening in uh the Halifax music scene. So, this is I think a great band to cover right alongside Swirlies that we covered last week. Um they kind of fall into that noise rock, sonic youth mixed with a little bit of Pixies, very similar to Swirlies, dude. So I'm excited to to get into these records with you. Do you know anything about this band? I only know, you know, the the little bit that we maybe talked about when you brought one of their tracks to what you heard uh way back when. But um yeah, I love that interview clip that you played to intro us in where he was talking about the sweet-sour dynamic, right? Because I think that there are several songs that we played last week on our Swirlies episode that definitely falls more under the the sweet vocals and the sour, you know, loud noise rock, right? Like that dynamic. So would you say that, that Sloan falls under that realm as well where it's like, the sweetness comes from maybe the sound of the songs and like the melodies and stuff. Maybe the sourness is the lyric, like themes and stuff. Like they were saying, Velvet Underground or whatever. Um, no, the sourness, I think, comes from just kind of, you know, they'll throw in these um, rough and, and heavier sounding guitar bits tacked onto like a otherwise really, you know, just upbeat pop song. So I wanted to play songs from both Smeared and twice removed because I kind of want to show how their sound progressed in a very short time. This is between uh 92 and 94. So just a couple years as a group. They kind of start to mellow out a little bit in those 2 years. Uh and we'll kind of get into to I guess the repercussions of that. Um but real quick I'll name off the roster. So one thing that that this band is kind of known for is their sharing of songwriting. So all four members of the group write songs all four members of the group will have a handful of songs maybe not on each record but where they are the lead singer they all provide lead vocals yeah oh wow, that's really cool yeah so so usually it's if 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 they wrote the song they're singing on that song oh man okay that i, I can't think of an, another band that does that i mean maybe like songwriting credits but not also like Providing the lead vocals. I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah, and it was especially the case in their early days. Um, from what I've read, and I haven't actually listened to any other albums of theirs, but they're still together. That's another big thing
2: same about them. Dudes, huh?
0: It's the same four guys this whole time. They've been together since '91. I feel like that's a huge uh, advantage because even if they're not all lead singing still, the fact that all four of them can write songs too like yeah now do they collaborate on songs as well yeah i think so yeah like their songwriting credits i'm I'm sure they uh, do yeah that's cool man yeah and i'll be bringing some songs from each of them which is kind of cool i don't know if i have songs from all four of them as far as like uh lead singer songwriter sure but yeah we'll be playing some from from a few of them so we've got chris murphy on uh bass and chris murphy is considered one of the two main singers of the group so he, you know, he writes and sings most of the songs as, as lead. Uh, and then Patrick Pintland is uh, lead guitar. He is the other main singer of the group, considered, you know, considered the other main singer, uh, especially with their older, I guess, or I guess more recent albums. He contributes a lot more to the, to the songwriting. Then you've got Jay Ferguson on rhythm guitar and Andrew Scott on drums. So they formed in 91. Murphy and Ferguson were the first two to meet. And then the other two joined shortly after. These guys also started their own record label in 92. So, this was a year into them as a group and released records for local bands around Canada, you know, Halifax, Toronto, and they released their own records. So, okay, cool. Yeah. So, they released this record called the Peppermint EP uh, with producer Terry Pulliam. And that record made its way... One of the songs on that record is called Underwhelmed. Made its way to this uh, compilation record called Here and Now. It was a record with with a bunch of other artists kind of coming up around that time in Canada. And that got the attention of Todd Sullivan, who's an A&R representative at Geffen Records. So they got signed to Geffen Records in 92... One year into being a group, and uh it was all thanks to this little self produced with with the help of uh Terry Pulliam, this little e p that they they dropped so did they keep their record label going this entire time still going, yep, oh man, yeah, so they're like they you know obviously they're gonna they're gonna go with Geffen when Geffen knocks on your door or whatever, but I think it's funny that they had had their own label like parallel to all this like yeah success as a band yeah i don't remember where so uh there's an interview from cbc news in 2021 that they interviewed i think pretty much all the members in the band and um one of the members i i can't find it at the moment so i can't quote him directly here but he says like they kind of kept murder records around just kind of is it like an insurance, like a fallback. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, it's another source of income too. Right, right. Yeah, actually, okay, I found the quote here. This is from Murphy. He says, We always kind of thought of murder records as an insurance policy for when we came crawling back looking to put out our own records. Dude, that's so funny because like we've heard several uh bands have that same idea where it's like they're just they're waiting for everything to crash and burn you know they never right. think that they're gonna have success and didn't the toadies feel that way i think that was the main yeah the toadies that, i mean they yeah they the toadies never felt successful they all um met at a record store and like they went to go record rubberneck and he was telling the owner of the record store like yeah i'll be you know i'll be back in a, in a few months after you know after this little tour that we're gonna do like you know whatever i'll come back and work at the record store after this you know, <laughs> i'll just knock Which, this tour you know, out real quick and then it'll all be over Kind of the creative, you know, your perfectionist kind of mindset, probably, where it's like you can always be better. Maybe you never, you know, you never think that you're good enough kind of thing. I think a lot of creative people are like that. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Let's take a quick break. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. Good news is therapy does work. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be, really. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and you would like some tools to help. Maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever it is you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And we've got a special offer for no filler listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com nofiller. That's betterhelp.com slash nofiller. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, so what I'm going to do is actually play. So, Smeared was their first full-length record, and it was released on Geffen, Um And that song, Underwhelmed, which I mentioned is what got them the attention uh, at Geffen, was completely re-recorded for Smeared. So this was one of their earlier songs, re-recorded for their first full length. Uh, But I'm going to play the original recording that shows up on the Peppermint EP. uh, Just so you can kind of hear, you know, this is the song that got Geffen's attention. So here we go. This is... Again, uh, a song off of Sloan's Peppermint EP from 92. This song is called Underwhelmed.
1: She was underwhelmed, if that's a word. I know it's not because I looked it up. That's one of the skills that I learned in my school. my
0: I feel like the lyrics are what stand out the most to me about this song. They're really funny. <laughs> yeah. He's like the guy that, ha, you know, feels like he has to correct people's <laughs> grammar, grammar on right. a Reddit thread or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. But he's basically like talking about this girl who isn't using proper grammar. And like, there's a bunch of like interesting. Wordplay play on words, type of that yeah, wordplay and stuff throughout the song. It's interesting. Like it's very, it's lighthearted, right? Yeah, I guess that's the sweet part. Yeah, that he was talking about if we're talking about the sweet and sour dynamic. And that interview was from '93, I believe. The the intro clip. So yeah, that was from around this time. So yeah, they were still writing lyrics like this. Not that the guitar playing and and the music and stuff is super heavy or anything like that. But it does kind of have almost like a punk quality to it. His vocals remind me of somebody. I can't place it though right now, dude. Yeah, I can't either. It's right there on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, so Geffen kind of saw the potential in Sloan as being, uh, again, at the forefront of the Halifax scene. And at the time, it had been deemed the new Seattle, the, the quote, new Seattle, following Seattle's grunge boom of the early nineties. So, okay. Gaffin was thinking, Oh man, we got to jump on this. Cause, like all this stuff coming out of Halifax, you know, could be the new, the new grunge. So, and this is the song, you know, that, that really caught their attention. So, you know, it's way more, I think it's like a good mix of like classic rock and not, and that's almost like a genre in itself. Now, not, not classic rock like Zeppelin or Aerosmith, but you know, like it's a classic rock sound but with more the, the kind of sonic qualities of, of shoegaze and distortion, you know, kind of more grungy distortion. Yeah. I mean, his vocals have definitely like an, like an early 90s alt-rock sound to them. Oh, and this is early 90s alt-rock. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but no, if, if, you know, if they're being called like the the new grunge, the next grunge, right? Yeah. Well, the new Seattle, you know, they were, they were hoping to jump on Halifax – and, and pick up some more grunge bands, you know what I mean? Gotcha, okay. So I'm going to be quoting a lot from uh, Adam Kamen, who interviewed Jay Ferguson in 2012 for Blog Toronto. Says here of Smeared, Smeared took the best elements of the sounds du jour, namely shoegaze and sonic youth-inspired noise rock, Filtered through the innate Beatles-esque pop sensibilities of four distinct songwriters. So think about that, dude. Beatles, all four of them wrote and contributed to the catalog for the Beatles, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Very similar here with Sloan, and um, with the songs I picked, you'll you'll see Trav how they, they do start to mellow out, and. Yeah, Geffen Geffen isn't too pleased with it, but we'll get get into that a little bit later. Okay. Um, So I'm going to just jump right into the next pick. So again, this is going to be coming from Smeared, their first full-length record, their first record on Geffen. Uh, This was released in October of 92. We're going to play track four on the record. This song is called Median Strip. this lyric man so he's this guy's really funny uh <laughs> i like the way he well or is this the same writer yeah, of is. the last song i'm wondering okay yeah chris chris murphy because i wonder if they all have their own um unique writing style because like he's obviously all about the puns man yeah and, like the word yeah. play because yeah. he's like there's a line in here that says Point came for you to be Glenn close to me. <laughs> I know, dude. I was I was gonna read that lyric if you didn't. And then the next line, dude, it says, "Can't you see? I can't be P P I M I S S. I assess the situation differently." Yeah, uh, clever. Is he spelling Mississippi backwards? There, what's going on? What's I don't happening? Know. That's what I was trying to figure out. <laughs> but, dude, any song that's gonna throw a Glenn Close reference in, right? I mean, that's me uh, 101 Dalmatians, it, right? Isn't that? <laughs> that's probably her of least. Of all uh... the things she's done, dude. <laughs> she played Corella to... DeVille. She did, but. <laughs> she was also the pirate that gets thrown into the boo boo box in Hook. I just think it's funny that, like, she's one of the most, like, well renowned actors of all time. And you're like, wasn't she Corella DeVille? In My bad. A Disney movie. Yeah. But yeah, dude, his lyrics are really funny. And, you know, he takes, doesn't take himself too seriously, which. You know, I appreciate. But aside from the lyrics, like the music is also I mean, I can see why if Geffen Geffen thinks that this is what they got, right? And then they're like, Yeah, all right, here we go, more of that, right? And then their next album under under them, you know, starts to sound different. Like I can see. Hey, you know, bands change all the time. Like we we yeah. know that. But I mean Yeah. You know, Geffen's like, We need more more of that last one, please, because we're trying to... compete. We need more grunge, my friends. Yeah, we're trying to compete with uh, Sub Pop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I think it should be noted, too, that Terry Pulliam is the producer again. So, yeah, so they brought him on Geffen uh, to record this record. And it definitely sounds like they had a, a, a nicer studio to record this in, but it says here on Wiki that it was recorded at a, at a very low cost of $1,200. But... You know, compared to that Peppermint EP recording of Underwhelmed, it definitely has a more, like, you know, sonically pleasing mix, you know? And maybe that's just Geffen saying, bring us this, this shoegazy grunge, boys. That's what we want. Next song I'm going to play might be my favorite song that I've heard from these guys with, in the, between the two albums that I listened to. And this one is actually written by their drummer, Andrew Scott. Is that why it's your favorite cue? Written by the drummer. Well, I don't know, dude. You tell me. Let me know what you think of it. Okay. So, and it should be noted too that all the great backup singing, harmonizing, is Patrick, who is uh, lead guitar, one of the main singers of the group, but he does all the great backup harmony vocals. One thing I wanted to note about the song we just played, Median Strip, I really liked the bass and drums, how like syncopated, like how how in tune, how like aligned they were with each other. And then how the guitar came in, the second verse. Yeah, and it, it had uh, kind of a Pixies quality to it, the bass line and the drums. Yeah. On the, yeah, on I can see that. Yeah. Yep. All right, so uh, let's jump down to track six. I got two clips to play on this one. This song is called Five Hundred Up. She
1: comes running down like water, the spot
0: Great harmonizing at the at the end there. I know, man, I love it. I love the way that the the vocal. I'm guessing these are multiple singers, like the vocal styles kind of go back and forth. Like that, there's a, there's a singer that um, is kind of just like almost spoken word. Yeah, like just kind of delivering the line in kind of a lazy way, right? I know for sure that Patrick provides the the harmony vocals, but yeah, may, there could be three of them singing in this. Like you said, there's that like kind of that spoken word kind of thing that could be Andrew yeah could be someone else but yeah I, I love it man but yeah i like the way that uh the song too had had some definite shoegaze moments in it and some moments that reminded me of, of swirlies were kind of or sonic Youth, I as where it's like there's those moments of like loud noise rock yeah but, you know and this one it's very quick and then it it, it goes back but like i, I like and then it kind of transitioned into that spoken word uh thing which i thought was was kind of cool and and um worked really well. Like this song has a lot of different moving parts to it and they all work really well together. Yeah, I think this is a good example of that sweet and sour, you know, kind of thing that, that he was saying at the at the beginning there. Yeah, totally, totally. They have a lot of range, these guys, right? And that's probably no wonder that they uh, are able to, to start moving into a whole different direction, which is what sounds like the next songs we're going to hear are going to be different, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know what? Even on one album, track to track, there's a lot of a lot of differences and the perfect example of another band like that it didn't even click when i was reading these uh when i was preparing for this but the beatles man every track on a beatles album might be totally different from the one before it because the because you've got four songwriters in the group to me i feel like it's just so so hard to to compare a band to the beatles you know because the, the bar that bar is so so damn high but like i mean they have a lot of reasons, I guess, to be compared to them with the everybody writing songs and contributing and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're basically just gonna play the rest of the song. Um, I didn't really trim any anything off of it, but so here here is clip two from five hundred up. That was great, man. Yeah, I love that little breakdown at the end. Yeah, and how it just kind of stopped on a dime and then went right back into it. That was really well done. That was really cool. Good stuff. Yeah, I love it when bands, you know, explore things like that, you know, like it let let their song sort of go in different places, you know? I feel like you don't get that very often anymore, you know? Right. Really craft, craft like, a. this is going to sound kind of corny or whatever, but like, you know, craft a journey that they take you down and stuff. Right. You know? But that's what, um, yeah, you know, we talked about last week with swirlies that they're really good at. They would really keep you on your toes, and you never really know what you're gonna, what to expect as the song progresses, you know. And yeah, that song right there definitely had that vibe where it's like you really don't know what you're about to hear, especially in that last, you know, they they went in a whole different direction, and then and then brought it right back, you know. Yeah, dude. So we're gonna jump right into Twice Removed, and like I had kind of alluded to, and actually, you know, we'll play. I'll play the first track. Before we really get into it, but kind of like you were saying there, what you you know appreciated about these guys, and I think what kind of makes them different from what was coming out around that time, as far as in the shoegaze grunge scene, is you know how they approach their songs and how it is kind of different from one track to the next. It may not be cohesive, but it's you know it's just so enjoyable to listen to from track to track. It's really cool that that they're that they were able to, I mean, survive really as a band with four different songwriters, Uh, you know, how they're all able to kind of contribute to each song and not butt heads. Yeah. And I think it's really surprising that none of them wanted to branch off and, and do their own side project, you know, where they could fully be dedicated as a songwriter. Right. Yeah. So that just tells you that they must've, they must've been a really pretty cohesive like team, you know, cause I mean, songwriters man you know they got they all got you know i guess the most famous example is maybe uh, david byrne of of talking heads and how much of an ego that guy has right yeah and in the same vein julian casablanca's i thought that's where you were going dude lead singer for the strokes yeah yeah but yeah two examples of that right where it's like now you got four of those egos potentially but so yeah they must have they must have worked to work well together you know yeah all right, man. So, Twice Removed is the next full length that they drop on Geffen. Came out in 94. If you are a long-time listener of the podcast, this song might sound familiar to you. This is the song that, that I brought as a Watcher Her track uh, many moons ago. And I guess I didn't really dive into the history of the song or the album when I played it, because I just read about this today, and that's why I, I had to play it again, because. The story behind the lyrics, so this is track one off of Twice Removed. It's called Pen Pals, and uh, the lyrics are actually comprised from broken English fan letters written to Kurt Cobain. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so Chris Murphy somehow got a hold of these letters because, I mean, at the time, Nirvana was label mates with them on Geffen, mm. and they decided to write a song using contents of some of the letters was this after cobain passed away i believe so dude so cobain that must be right yeah right so okay so so twice removed was released less than six months after the death of cobain i think it's really cool that for one somehow he got a hold of these letters and two that he wrote a song comprised of, of of these letters on their reissue of this album that came out in 2012, those letters are scanned and in this really cool booklet that comes with the record. So you can actually look at those letters. Oh, that's awesome. Now, this is when you're going to hear a changeup in their, their sound. And, uh, you know, you can kind of see why Geffen's like, what the fuck, guys? So here we go. Here's track one off of Twice Removed. This song is called Pin Pals. <laughs> I think the lyrics are great. I, I just think that's a really cool concept, and just he doesn't like, change them at all. You know, you can you, you can hear that broken up English. Yeah, well, that's what's great about it is just from the subject matter of it, you know, and how the proximity to Cobain's death. It's just like they took all this like genuine like affection and stuff that all these people had for Cobain and Nirvana. Yeah, and like you know put it put it on a song on the same record label, you know. And track one on that on that album too. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool concept. And then like musically, like this totally sounds like a sixties Brit pop song, like jangly pop kind of stuff that like the Beatles were no I mean it sounds like straight up, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of what Geffen was upset about. And so here so here's a quote again from from Adam Kamen who again interviewed him in 2012. I like what he says here, kind of how, how he puts it. It says twice removed was released in August of 94, less than six months after the death of Cobain. Unfortunately, in a period marked by an explosion of derivative proto grunge, Nirvana knockoffs tailor-made for radio play, the brilliantly direct songcraft of the mostly fuzz free twice removed was perceived as a disappointment by the label. Who famously dropped Sloan after all but sweeping the album under the rug of the international market? So Geffen said bye. Uh, that I'm actually I'm actually annoyed by that dude. Me too. I think that's stupid because you know what? It's not like like they said knockoff bands. Like did did Geffen want Sloan to just be a fucking? carbon copy of it appears that way all the grunge stuff that was happening or did they want them to be who they were or whatever it appears that way Because, like in my opinion like sloan was kind of like sort of reading the room correctly because like grunge was kind of the really big grunge wave was kind of over at that point as far as like the big bands making making the iconic records like it just became uh like they said uh you know what, what what was the word they used proto-grunge nirvana knockoffs yeah nirvana It i just became like all just knockoffs of each other you know and and it sounds like that's what geffen was looking for which is yeah well you know what that's funny yeah <laughs> and you know i i think back to that quote from swerve driver they decided to go to sign with a&m instead of geffen because they thought that geffen wouldn't give him enough attention yeah at the time they said you know Guns N' Roses. That's the only band that anyone cares about on Geffen. Why would they care about us? It's just funny that, you know, here's an example of a band that got screwed over by Geffen. Right. All right, let's play another song here. This one... And, Dude, Geffen was... they, They were just wrong, man. You'll see. All right, so here we go. So this one is actually written by Jay Ferguson. So he is the rhythm guitarist, and he provides the lead vocals for this track. This song is called I Hate My Generation.
1: What could you both possibly share?
0: they were heading in the direction that rock headed into that's what i was thinking too man with like indie indie rock and stuff right around the corner like or the 2000s indie sound right i guess geffen just wasn't ready for it they wanted to milk that freaking grunge cow yeah yeah you're right dude that's all they wanted but it's a great track and it's hard to i mean listening to it now we're able to see why it's great maybe at the time it's like everybody was so laser focused on on the grunge movement that like Geffen just wasn't able to to see it or care for it, but yeah, and the way that that Adam uh, put it, that writer for for blog Toronto, they basically swept it under the rug. So yeah, that's stupid, man. Even if people were gonna like it, if there was an appetite for it, they would have never heard it because so they probably... weren't they weren't uh, repping it. it was, exactly, it's annoying, man. And, I mean, prophecy foretold, dude. Like Chris Murphy said, you know, we kind of kept murder records around his insurance and that's exactly what they do man after this they just from that point on their blueprint was to do everything themselves produce release do everything on murder records they don't have to rely on anyone else you know they were perfectly capable of doing that on their own and that's what they did so here's a, a little bit of the interview uh from adam and uh jay ferguson so adam says twice removed is a world away from the washed out fuzz of smeared and the earlier peppermint ep and is the first indication of the refined pop milieu sloan has worked in since what brought on such a sonic change from your first album and jay says personally touring smeared for the better part of two years was taking a toll on my eardrums i was happy to play a little quieter at the time I also felt that the musical climate was getting overstuffed with half-baked noisy guitar bands, and we wanted to take a turn away from that sound. Perhaps it wasn't the right thing to do commercially? (laughs) Uh, And then he says, "I I think that was Geffen's frustration with Twice Removed, and that it didn't follow logically from the sonic template of Smeared. I slash we were happy to pull from different references like Fleetwood Mac or Plastic Ono Band or the third Velvet Underground album and to try to chart a different musical course that would set us apart, hopefully, from the glut of noisy indie groups that followed in the wake of the great My Bloody Valentine and Nirvana. So they knew exactly what they were doing as far as like they wanted to, to, to go in a different direction. Yeah. They, they didn't want to be what Geffen wanted them to be, which is just like, give us more of that that sound please you know so yeah i I respect them for that yeah and and he he ends it here by saying it does seem that twice removed perhaps set the template for what followed with every member singing and writing and no particular set style or format of the songs contributed so that's what they continue to do is all members contribute no particular style from track to track i love it dude yeah no it's good man so here is let's see do i have i think i have one more yeah, I got one more song to play it. Trev, um, you're going to love this one, dude. And I am uh, looking forward to you immediately telling me what band this sounds like because it's pretty on the nose, dude. So this is track 10 on the record. This song is called Snowsuit Sound. Obviously. Sounds like Spoon. Yes, sir. Especially with the claps, right? Yeah. But maybe that's just proves our point even more that like the you know, they were they were going in the direction that the indie Rock was going in. And Spoon was right around the corner, if not already making music at this point. Yeah, I was trying to think, like when did Spoon like their early EPs, when when were those coming out? I wanna say around this time, maybe ninety seven at the latest. Yeah, they, they they were definitely making music around this time, huh? Yeah, their first uh, EP Nefarious was in May of 94, so that's the same year as Twice Removed. There you go. Yeah, right. So Sloan, you know, had just, they, they had gone through the grunge thing and were doing the shoegaze grunge type deal that everybody else was doing and said, you know, we're going to start heading in a new direction. And I think, you know, you got you to gotta give them credit for that for sure. They did not bow down, dude. That's what's cool about it. Yeah, that's, that is cool. Yeah. So that's all I got, brother again dude it's like i mean a canada-based band it's no one that we hadn't ever heard of them before but um and it makes even more sense knowing that geffen screwed them over and provided a little support for their second release and then they went back to releasing stuff on their own record label so you know that probably kept it more local to canada for for a while Well yeah great great band what happens after this? Like, I mean, have you have you listened to like? Have do they continue to kind of evolve? Yes, uh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't read this whole article. Is another interview um, actually? I, I mentioned this interview from CBC News earlier in the episode. Uh, a guy named Richard Woodbury interviews him in twenty twenty one. This kind of talks about how they survived. Uh, they so they split up very briefly after Twice Removed came out. They just kind of got burnt out on the tour um with twice removed. And they were contractually obligated to continue these shows through ninety five, even though they already knew that they were dropped from Geffen. And they just they did start butting heads a little bit um on the road. And so, you know, they, they just kind of split up and regrouped in late uh ninety five. And that's when they decided, all right, you know what, we can just keep releasing we don't need a a big fancy major record label. We'll start releasing stuff on murder records again. And, you know, like they said, we continued with that blueprint of just kind of having all four of us contribute and not really sticking to a particular style. And, yeah, man, they've been active. It really, like, no one really considers that breakup, like, a split of the group because it was such a short time. You know, they just kind of took some time apart briefly after those contractually obligated shows we're up, kind of just figuring out what to do. But yeah, yeah, I, I listened to a few songs on one chord to another, and um, yeah, they do they do continue to evolve, but they always kind of stick to that Beatles esque pop mixed with a little bit of that indie shoegaze sonic qualities. I think what makes these guys stand out is the the, the lyrics and and the vocals. They write music. That's very similar. Like they, all four of them are very similar in their songwriting. You know, yeah. I I played songs from three of them. Um, the last one I I I played was another uh, Jay Ferguson song, and they even sing similarly. You know, they all have very similar voices. Right. So yeah, it's cool that all four of them came together, and and I don't know if it's just influences that they've had on each other, and you know, just being a close knit group that that they started to write music similarly but it's it's cool that to have four members each one of them contributing to the songs and all of them sounding you know working so well together yeah that's unique for sure so that's that brother um i don't know if if we are gonna continue in this you know i i entertain the the idea of trying to stick in the 90s era through the rest of the year if we can I mean, we're only halfway through the year, man. <laughs> okay, well let's just, let's just try. You know, I think that'd be a yeah, fun we challenge. Can do it. I think we can do it. We talked about this last week. We could do Beck. Oh, right. And see where that takes us. That's a good idea, dude. Let's do Mellow Gold. Mellow Gold and Odile have always been like two of my favorite records. Like there's songs on the, on those records that are just like '90s rock staples, right? So it'd be interesting to play the ones. This is what we're what we do around here on this on this show, play the songs that you don't know so well from the singles because like like I said, those songs are just like huge, huge '90s rock hits, right? We're talking Devil's Haircut and all that kind of loser, stuff. loser, yeah, loser. Of course, yeah. And I have not listened to the rest of those albums, dude. I don't know all the songs off those records, so there's some great, great stuff. Um, I think Devil's Haircut might be one of my favorite tracks. That's on um, old delay, but um, new pollution. I think I'm naming singles, dude. Which is which is what our <laughs> challenge is going to be: is to uh, to pick some non singles that are that are stand out and, and, and give them a spin. Let's do it. So yeah, maybe we could do uh, yeah. I mean, we could do both. So we could do mellow gold and old delay. Sounds good. That's that'll be fun, man. But before that, dude, next week let's do another what you heard for the month of June. That's right. Yeah. So next week is what you heard. It's time. Excited about that, as always. You know, it's always a blast. Yeah, so that's our monthly mixtape, is what we call it. We'll each bring five songs to the table, just of of artists and songs that we've been checking out in between recordings. So that'll be next week. And then we'll come back with some some Beck to kick off the month of July. That'll be good times, man. Yeah, dude. I'm excited. All right. And, uh, you know, dude, I'm going to say it again. Because crickets so far. but. If y'all want some no-filler merch, some t-shirts, let us know if you're interested. You know what I was actually thinking, man? And we failed again. What do we do? I was actually thinking that we need to put this call out at the beginning of the episode. Oh. Because, you know, you never know, man. People might, they they hear us say, all right, well, that's it for that record. And then they bounce. And then they bounce. They They don't don't want to hear us talk about Instagram and shit. Yeah, you're right. So, you know what? Next week, we'll put this. And you know what? If we don't, if we hear crickets, dude, for the next few weeks then fine no t-shirts okay we hear you loud and clear and yeah and maybe i'll just make a t-shirt for myself to rep you know yeah i'd rock a no filler t-shirt and i'm not just saying that. my wife actually did make me a, lo- a no filler t-shirt which i thought was really very sweet that is very sweet did some sleuthing and got the logo probably from you or something maybe? she did yep it does not fit anymore Did it's shrunk that's a bummer so i need more sh- i need another shirt basically so just Please, just somebody, to say that you want a shirt, and, um, <laughs> and we'll do it. So yeah, email us at nofillerpodcast at gmail dot com or reach out to us on Instagram. Let us know if you'd like a t shirt. Give us some recommendations uh, with some of your favorite artists and music from the nineties. Let us know what you've been heard. If you like what we hear, maybe we'll outro next week's what you heard with with a song that you pick for us. And as always, you can find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network the Network for Music Lovers at Pantheon Podcasts on Instagram or pantheonpodcasts.com is the website. Uh, as always, we'd like to give a shout-out to AKG for supporting the show and the network. And uh, we're going to fade out with another track from Sloan that I'm a big fan of, track 9 off of Smeared. Uh, is kind of a sing-songy, spoken word kind of thing that he does. I'm a big fan of it. It's a Chris Murphy track again. So again, this is a track called Left of Sinner that we're going to fade us out with. Until next week, thank you as always for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.